Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight, we're going to talk about some things, specific things that you want for 2018. Specific things. I mean, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we talked about about uh, a, a, one of the things that we needed for coming into this year was, you know, the state of our hearts. And then he talked about, you know, doing the word, you know, doing it in 2018 to, to see that difference. But I want to I just get down to some things, you know, some actual concrete things you can believe God for so that 2018 is very different for you. Number one, you know, I don't know how far we'll get with this. I don't know if we get the whole thing done tonight or not, but we'll just see. Amen. Number one, I would think that one of the, the most important thing that you need to make different for 2018 is to know him better. It's to know him better. That should be first and foremost on your list. You know, there's so many people who struggle with believing God for different things, like when it comes to healing, when it comes to finances, when it just comes to the fact that God loves them because they don't really know him. You know, and the more you know him, the more you can rely on him, the more you can depend on him, the more you can count on him, the more you can obtain everything he's got for you because you know this is his nature. This is what he wants for me. You know, this is just who he is. And so go with me to Ephesians 3. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I think you can, you can sum up so much of this in just these few verses. You know, as, as Pastor said on Sunday morning, you know, if you're going to read the Bible and you're only, you're only going to take, you know, you're not going to have a lot of time to do it, stay, stay in the New Testament, stay in the epistles. And there is nothing that I can think of that's any better for you to rely on and refer to on a, on a constant basis than these, these prayers that Paul put in his letters because they're just as valid today as they were the day he wrote them. And they mean just as much. They're full of just as much. They, they will help you just as much as it did the churches at Ephesus and Colossae and Philippi. All those churches he was writing to personally. Listen, this is still a personal letter that God has written to us. And it's still a personal prayer that we should say over ourselves and over other people as well. But starting in verse, um, let's just start in verse 14 because it's just a good place to start. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. There are so many scriptures you could read, but I just decided that this was the passage that I wanted to read tonight, but I want you to hear it out of the Amplified. Hallelujah. Starting in verse 16. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. Isn't that wonderful? Indwelling your innermost being. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. You know, you, you get to know somebody so well when you live with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know each other to a measure when we're dating, but boy, we really get to know each other when we have to live together. Same thing is true in our relationship with God. You know him in a measure, but until you let him take up residence on the inside of you and let him feel like he's at home on the inside of you, that's when you're really going to find out who he is and what he's like. He wants to take up residence. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to be at home in you. He wants to be in a place where he feels so comfortable that he can just do whatever he wants to do and knowing that's okay. That he can show, you know, it's one thing to, to come in and be all dressed up, but it's another thing to go home and get in your jammies. You know, you, you don't necessarily do that when company comes over. You don't even do that when sometimes your, you know, friends come over. You don't do that when um, even close friends come over. It kind of depends on the pajamas, I suppose. But, uh, you know, but God wants to be able to come into our homes, our hearts, the place that he's taken up residence and really feel like he's a part really feel like he's home in you. Hallelujah. Um, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home. He doesn't need to just be a temporary renter. He needs to feel like this is my place. I'm going to be here forever. It is my forever home. You know, and, and honestly, I know there are people who, when they say, Jesus, come into my heart, they really mean it. But because they don't pursue him and make him feel welcome and make him a part of their, their existence, you know, within them, he's just a temporary, just a temporary person there. He doesn't have, he hasn't had an opportunity because he's not been invited to take up that permanent residence like he'd like to. But anyway, going on, it says, May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it? That ye may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that ye may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That, to me, is just the picture of really knowing who God is. 
really knowing him. And yet there is so much that you and I can still find out about him. After 47 years, 47 and a half years of marriage, there are still things we find out about each other. Some good, some yeah, you know, kind of not so, not so happily good, you know, but, you know, like, you don't like that? Really? I've been making that all these years, and you don't like that? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> you know, those are the kind of things you find out. You know, no matter how long you've been with somebody, there are still little things to find out. You know, there are still things to find out about God. There are still things he wants to reveal himself to you in. There are still things he wants you to just go, wow, I didn't know that. I, was, I really didn't have any idea you felt like that. I didn't know you loved me that much. I didn't know you cared about me that much. But he is willing, if you let him take up permanent residence in your heart, and in your life, there are things he will reveal to you over and over and over and over and over. I don't think we will ever exhaust the depth of who God really is until we get to heaven and then it's still time to explore. There's still things he wants to show us, things he wants to reveal to us, things he wants to open up to us even when we get there. I mean, it's just the magnitude of who God is can't be underestimated. It, there's just so much. You know, maybe you've walked with God for decades. I'm telling you, there's still something new for you tomorrow to find out about him, to come to an understanding of him. You know, sometimes we know things just because, well, it's a head thing. We, we, we know it. It's in theory, but we don't know it by experience. Isn't that what this said here in the Amplified Version? It says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves See, there are some things you have to experience for yourself. Somebody can tell you all about it, but it really won't make, make an impact on you until you know it for yourself. Through experience for yourself, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. See, we can talk to people all day long about the love of God. You know, and what really shines through to people is when it comes from a person who has experienced his love and who talks from a place of experience. You know, there are people who get up in pulpits all across the world every Sunday, every, every time there's a church service, and they talk about God, and they talk about Jesus, and they talk about the love of God, but they themselves don't know him. It's unfortunate that pulpits everywhere are filled with people who, number one, aren't even born again, and number two, have never experienced the presence of God. They just know him from a book. They know him because they went to seminary, but they don't know him because they've not spent time in his presence. See, and that's what we need to do, is this year we need to spend so much time in his presence that we, by experience, get to know him more completely, more fully, more deeply, because he's got so much he wants to show us. He's got so much he wants us to experience. And the more we know him, the more we'll experience him. The more we experience him, the more we'll want to know him. It just one thing builds on another. 
and on another and on another. It just, it takes us higher and higher and higher and higher. And so really that's, that's your number one thing that you want to see in 2018, it should be, is to know him more completely, to know him more deeply, to know him more intimately, to know, to get to know him in a way that you've never experienced him before. At the end of this year, you can say, I thought I knew him a year ago, but today I can say I know him so much better. You know, you can spend time with somebody for months on end and you think you know everything about them, but again, it takes time to really get to know somebody. And it takes time for you to really get to know your father and to know everything that he has for you, everything he's done for you, everything that he wants to do still for you. Hallelujah. Number two, the thing that we should want in this year to see a, a year that's different is spiritual growth and revelation. Spiritual growth doesn't happen just automatically like natural growth. You know, kids, kids are born, and unless there's something wrong with them, you know, I had a sister that was born when I was six, and when she was about six months old, they, they knew something was wrong with her because they had this term back then called failure to thrive. You know, and so they found out what was wrong with her, and it was a life-threatening disease that, that she had, and, and she only lived about four years. But you see, spiritual growth, you know, natural, natural growth in, in kids, if you just turn around good, they've grown an inch. You know, I mean, you know, I just bought those pants for you last week, seems like. I mean, you, you, need, you, need, you need bigger ones? Come on. You know, you just don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to see weeds grow. You know, kids are like weeds. They grow. You feed them, they grow. You know, but that's not the same thing with spiritual growth. Spiritual growth comes because of actual determined effort. You have to put something in. There are people who've known God for 40 years, haven't grown a lick. Haven't grown a lick. Not a bit. You know, we, we used to see that, I mean, growing up, you know, in the churches that we were raised in. I mean, my dad pastored for, for several years, and, and just looking back, I mean, I was, I was young back then, and I didn't really recognize it, but looking back now, I can see that there were people in the churches he pastored that hadn't grown anything, hadn't grown a bit spiritually in all the years they had walked with God. You know, and you can see that, you know, in people's lives if you're looking. But I, I don't want you to spend this whole year wasting time. Move out of the nursery. Start moving on to other things. Grow up. It's time to grow up, but you have to decide you're going to grow up. You have, you're going to have to decide that you want to grow. You're going to have to decide that I'm going to do what it takes to grow. I'm going to have to make some effort here. It will not come, growth, spiritual growth will not come without effort on your part, not somebody else's part. Just because the pastor gets up here and preaches a great message every single Sunday and Wednesday and wherever we can get him to preach, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to grow because of it. You have, to, you have to take what you hear, take what you read, take what God talks to you about, and do something with it. That will cause spiritual growth. A hearer only will not grow. It's the hearer and the doer. You have to hear and do to grow. Um, Ephesians 4.15, go over there. You're close by. You like just like one chapter. It says, um, well, let's just, again, let's just find a place to start. 
Now, let me just start in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, but here, let me just stop here, a little side journey. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You know, they did a disservice by putting a comma in here. For the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry. This is what he gave. This is how we used to always read it. You know, how people think it's supposed to be read. You know, he gave all these, these gifts for them to do the work of the ministry. No, he gave these gifts for the perfecting of the saints who would do the work of the ministry. It's not up to the pastors, to the preachers, to the teachers, to the apostles, to the prophets. It's not up to them to do the work of the ministry. It's up to the saints to do the work of the ministry. Obviously, that includes the people who are called into fivefold ministry, but it's up to you. You know, tradition has it, and I, and I know it's, it's true in, in every denomination, and it's still true, you know, in even churches like ours, that people come, you know, into a place, and they think that the pastor is supposed to do X, Y, and Z. This is his job, his function. If he doesn't run and call me every time I come, I'm, I'm out of church, something's wrong. We had pastors who ran after people all the time. We're constantly on the phone, going to visit them, do this, do that. Listen, that's a good thing when God says do that, but it keeps people babies. It doesn't, it doesn't help them grow up. And, and we've had countless people come through our doors over these 37 years of being here who got miffed because the pastor didn't call me. I was out for, for, for like three services, and he didn't call well, I was in the, I was, I mean, not many people were in the hospital around here, but anyway, I was in the hospital, and he didn't come up here. Well, you know what? That's not just his job. It's not just his job to call when you stay out of church. Because I'm telling you, if you decide to stay out of church and see how long it's going to take him for him to call you, the Holy Ghost will let him know that, and you won't get a call. You think I'm kidding? Mm-mm. We have seen many times where people decided, you knew, I knew it by the Holy Ghost. And sometimes you didn't have to have the Holy Ghost tell you. Now they were just going to wait you out and see how long it would take before you noticed that I'm not there. I, I haven't been there. And you haven't, yeah, my pastor hasn't even noticed enough to even, even contact me. Well, what he noticed was that you're one big old baby. And you're just looking for, a, for some attention. And he's not likely to call you. So get over it. And get your butt back in church where it belongs. There's my little side journey for the moment. Don't you just like that? Anyway, uh, let's go on. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, it's your job. It's your job when somebody's out to contact them. If you see your brother or sister that have been out for a while, it's your job to contact them and say, we have missed you. What's going on? Can I help you? Can I pray for you? What do you need? It's your job. Don't come ask me, well, where's so-and-so? We haven't seen him for, you know, just weeks. Well, ha why haven't you called him? Why haven't you put a card in the mail? Why haven't you let him know that you're thinking about him or her, whatever the case may be? Don't come ask me. I'm, I'm going to ask you, well, if you notice they weren't here, why haven't you done something about it? Mm, okay. Thank you, Miss Veronica. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, which is, means mature, not perfect, not in the sense that you think perfect. Uh, who do you think you are? You're Miss Perfect. No, it's time to grow up. 
Stop that nonsense. We're just kind of mature, maturing. We're growing. That's what that means. Uh, and to a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. The uh, Cottonberry translation says, and you should grow up in every part to the measure of his growth, who is our head. First Peter 2 2. Go with me there. Hallelujah. Starting in verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Here's the key. As newborn babes desire, who is the subject? You. You desire. See, it has to come from you. Nobody can grow for you. You have to grow, and it's up to you whether you grow or whether you not grow. And it's, and it's your choice whether you desire to grow or not. And to do this growing, you have to desire the milk of the word. You have to desire the word. That's what will cause you to grow. Hallelujah. Um, Second Peter, you're close. Second Peter 3. Verse 18. This is Paul. He's ending this letter. He says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. William's translation says, continue to grow. See, we never get to a place where we can say we're grown. Never. Not when it comes to the things of God. We're always growing. We're always moving into new places, into new things, learning new things because he's revealing new things to us. So there's constant growth. There's more for you out there all the time. Never, never, never stop desiring to grow. You stagnate. And when you, and when you get to a place where you stagnate, it's just like, you know, pastors taught that series before about slipping, slipping away. Just don't think, let things slip. Don't let things slide. Because when you don't continue to push forward and growing in the things of God, you stagnate and then you begin to just drift backwards. Just drift and just drift. But you have to put a, get a sincere desire in your heart to just go with the things of God. In Philippians 3, 4, it talks about, in fact, as you're close, Philippians 3, 4, verse 13, Philippians 4, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I don't count myself to be grown up yet. In this, in this context, I don't think I'm grown yet. But this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, that um, phrase in verse 13 that says reaching forth really means Straining with every nerve. 
And what that really says is, okay, like here's the edge of the carpet. And there's something right there on the edge of that seat. I have to strain forward and reach, determined to reach to get it. See, there are always going to be things out ahead of you that you're going to have to reach for. It's going to require you to reach into the things of God and to pull those things in. To pull them in. You know, you can't just take a, you know, like a, a spinning reel and just throw it out there and go, okay, I got it now. No, it's going to require some real effort on your part to actually put in the time to reach and to decide that I am not going to give up until I grab hold of that. Do you need healing? It's time to reach into the word, into the scripture that tells you that he is your healer, that healing's provided for you, that it belongs to you. You have every right to be healed, that, that it, the manifestation is yours, and you have to reach into the word, straining every muscle sometimes to grab hold of that thing and to pull it in, to pull it in. You know, I've seen people out on a boat out in the ocean, you know, and they get, they get a hold of something on the end of that line, and it takes some effort to pull that thing in, to get it to the boat, to get it to the boat. Rods that are just bent over like this, and they've got to pull and pull, and they can spend hours and hours of effort to pull this big fish in. You know, it's going to take some effort. Some things are going to take some effort to grow in. And if that means that it's uncomfortable for a period of time, so be it. But is it worth it? It's what you're going to ultimately wind up with, is it worth it or not? You can decide, ah, cut the line, let it go, it's not worth it. Or you can stay with it and haul it in so that it's yours. The prize is yours. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, going along with this. Your spiritual growth has got to come with more revelation. And if you're going to grow, if you're really going to have experience spiritual growth, revelation is, is what it's all about. You have to come to a better understanding of what the Word says, who He is, who you are, what He's done for you, what He's doing in you, what He wants to do through you. Ephesians here, starting in verse uh, 17 of chapter 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your, under your spiritual understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Let me check that out in the Amplified here. I'm telling you, there is nothing more powerful than these words penned by the Holy Spirit through Paul. Nothing. Because there's such life in it. Paul said that in verse 17 in the Amplified. For I always pray, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation 
of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. You know, that's what you are, his set-apart ones. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. I'm telling you what, there's a lot to chew on in those one, two, three verses. I mean, when you really get down to it, you could spend a week or better in those three verses. And yet we know that, that just by being born again, we have, a, we have a certain degree of revelation that's going to be given to us. But I'm telling you what, the real key to getting all that you need out of the word is by being full of the Holy Ghost, by being full of the Spirit of God. Because in John 14, 13, it talks about that he will guide you. The Spirit himself will guide you into all truth. Without that helper, I don't know that anybody will ever, ever fully understand or even begin to understand all the depth that there is in the things of God. But the comforter, the one who's come to live on you, that one who's called the spirit of truth, he's the one that can guide you. He's the one who can take you places that you never even thought of going. He can open things up to you that you never even dreamed were even in that particular verse. He, the spirit of truth, will take you by the hand and guide you into new places, to new territory. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Number three. What do you need to believe God for this year? Accuracy. Accurate steps. Jeremiah 29, 11, we love this verse. For I, God said, for I know the thoughts I think toward you. He knows what he's got planned for you. To give you a future and hope. He knows the plan. And it's up to us to find out the plan. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered or established by the Lord. Go with me to Romans 12. We will never fulfill the plan of God in our lives. Just hit or miss. Today, I want to hear what God's got to say. Tomorrow, yeah, I can do this myself. Nah, that's not the way this goes. The plan of God for your life depends on accuracy in every step. The steps, one by one by one by one. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. They're established by the Lord. And if you want to fulfill the plan of God for your life, you have to take each step carefully and accurately you can't decide to do your own thing today and say well i'll get back with the plan tomorrow this is not a diet it's not weight watchers you can take a few days off you know and come back to it later not if you want the full benefit of it romans 12 2 
Well, let's just start in 12.1 because it's good. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, that ye may find and follow, the Williams translation says. Find and follow what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many sermons have been, have been preached about what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You know, and there are degrees of our following God's plan for our lives. And you can decide, are you going to be settling for the good? Do you want to settle for the acceptable? Or are you going to strive to get the perfect will of God? You see, the plan that God has for us involves, involve, involves us hearing and following his voice accurately. Not questioning it. You, you know, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you have the one on the inside of you that will bear witness with you. And you have to rely on that. You have to, you have to get good at listening to him. And he'll take you step by step, by step, by step, by step, by step, until you finally get to where God wants you to be. And even then, there's still more to the plan. And the more you're going to see that plan open will depend on how accurately you have followed him up until now. You know, the enemy... has a way of sending counterfeits into your life. And the devil will always send a counterfeit just before the real thing appears. You don't need to fall for the counterfeit. You know, if you're following God's plan step by step by step and you're doing it accurately, you should be able to immediately identify the counterfeit when it shows up. But if you have not chosen to be accurate in your following of his plan, the counterfeit will take you by storm. And one day you'll look around and you'll think, I settled for so much less than I could have had. I settled. You know, for, for anybody who's not married, you need to make a list. You need to sit down with the Holy Ghost. And you need to make a Holy Ghost list of what you want in a future spouse. And when people come your way that looks like a, hmm, that's a maybe, you need to take your list out and take a good long look at the list. And it has to match. Well, I got two, three, four, but one and five, yeah, that's kind of questionable. Six is definitely not there. But, you know, I think, I'll, I think, I think I'm going to do it anyway. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mm-mm. You know, just as, as an example, I, you know, when we left to go to Ramah, we knew that Pastor was supposed to stay home. He wasn't supposed to work. He was going to be Mr. Mom. And I was going back to work after five years of being home with kids. And so we had a list of what we wanted for a job that I was going to have. And I have to honestly admit that because it took some time to find it, I was very tempted 
at least once really tempted to take a job that was less than what my list said. But thank God we held out and I got exactly what I needed in a job. You think, how is that possible? Listen, it had to be in a doctor's office. It had to be paying X amount of dollars. It had to be close enough to Rama that we could both, because we had one car, that we could both use the car. We could both get there and get where we needed to go and, and do all this. You know, and, and I got everything I wanted, everything and more. I was so blessed there. I got more than I had asked for at that job. You know, when it comes to the important decisions of life, you need to make a list of what you want. And when the answer shows up, it's going to look like this, 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 and this, and stick to it. Don't settle. Don't compromise. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And when they're ordered and followed, see, a good man follows. When they're followed, you're going to wind up being in the perfect will of God. Perfect. So that should be one of your goals for 2018, accuracy in following him. Number four, increase in favor and influence. I think uh, Zach was talking about this last week. Uh, I won't take time. Oh, well, I've got a little bit of time here. Um, increase in favor and influence. Why? Because this world needs what you have. You need to have favor with people so they'll listen to you. Amen. You need to present yourself in lives in such a way that, that favor comes to you. You know, on the job, you, want, you, know, you may have an employee or, or just a coworker that, you know, God wants you to minister to. Well, how have you behaved in front of them? Have you lost your cool more times than one and not apologized for it and... How have you lived? You know, one of the ways you find favor is, is by sowing favor. And you sow favor on the job by being a good employee. You sow favor in your home by being a good whatever. You know, you sow favor and you reap favor. Uh, Genesis, Joseph had favor everywhere he turned. At, when he got sold into slavery, he had favor in Potiphar's house. He had favor in the prison. He had favor. Favor with Pharaoh. Every place he went caused him to have more and more influence. Exodus. Go over with me to Exodus 3. Hallelujah. Exodus 3, and we're going to go to verses 21 and 22. Here's the people living in the land of Egypt, not their land. They came into great favor with jo when Joseph was in power. But after he, he was gone off the scene, you know, suddenly the Egyptians took one look around and went, oh, what are these Hebrews doing? So we're going to have to do something about this. So they made them slaves. And yet it's time for God to deliver them out of this place. Never intended for them to stay in Egypt. God never intends for you to stay in your spiritual Egypt either. He wants to deliver you out of the spiritual Egypt. No matter what, whatever the devil has ensnared you with and tried to enslave you, he wants you out of there. Amen. In verse 21, he's, he's giving them instructions. He said, and I will give this people favor 
in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. Let's face it, folks. They were slaves. How much could they have? They had nothing. They were given nothing. They barely subsisted in life. So they had nothing. But God said, you're not going to go empty-handed. I'm going to make sure you have favor with the Egyptians. And it says, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourns in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Listen, there's going to be times when God's going to give you favor with people that have no reason to give you favor at all just because you belong to him. Your qualification for finding favor is just because you're God's kid. What did Kate McVeigh say years ago? Favor ain't fair. And I don't care. That's just the way it is. You know, one of God's kids doesn't have to do anything except be God's kids to find favor. And can you imagine going, a slave going to the Egyptians and saying, uh, can I borrow your gold? How about your silver? How about your jewels? Can I borrow those? What crazy person would say yes? Except that they've had divine favor. God caused them to have divine favor with those Egyptians. And when they left there, they were loaded down. See, God wants you to be loaded down. The wealth of this world is laid up for the just. He wants to load you daily with blessings. And the way he'll do it is you'll find favor in some of the least likeliest spots just because you belong to him. You're a child of the king. If you go over to... Um, Esther, Esther 2.15 says she obtained favor. Daniel 1.9 says said the, the Lord brought Daniel into favor with the king. Proverbs 12.2 says a good man obtains favor of the Lord. Luke 2.52 says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If Jesus could increase with, in favor with God and man, so can you. God loves you, but you can increase in him. I, I, you know, that, that's some good increase when you increase with God. Some good increase. But the whole point of it is so that you can have an influence. So you can have an influence with people. You can have an influence in this world. You know, the Bible talks about how that there was a difference between his people and the Egyptians. Today, we need to make sure we find ourselves in a place where people can see there's a difference between us and the rest of the world. You know, growing up, I, I was brought up in a what was called a holiness church, and people could see we were different. Our skirts were long, our hair was high, the sleeves were long, no makeup, no jewelry, you know. That's how we thought we'd be separate from the world. That's not what God means. You know, it's the hidden man of the heart that makes us different. There's something about us that people ought to be able to see on our faces. There, there ought to be something that people look at you and say, there's something about you. I just don't know what it is. That's when you, saw, you find, you know, a voice and you say, it's because God's on the inside of me. Jesus lives in me. I know him as my Lord and Savior. That's what makes the difference. He wants you to put you in place. He wants to bring you into such favor that you rise on your job, that you are head, 
that he puts you over and all these. You know, doesn't it say the blessings that he'd make you the head and not the tail? He doesn't want you down here just being one of the lackeys in a company. He wants to raise you up. And through his favor, you can find yourself climbing the ladder until you own the company. Who was it? We were somewhere. Oh, I know. We were in a restaurant, you know, and a, and the man, it was one of those Japanese restaurants. And, and this, the guy who came out, he was, not, he was not oriental at all. He was just as American as you and me. But he said he loved to cook and he loved working at this Japanese restaurant. And, and so we just got to talking. And I said, well, you ever thought about buying the business? He goes, oh, <laughs> no, that will never happen. And I'm thinking, if you, had a, if you knew who God is, you know, you'd say that differently. You know, you might love this job, but you, you could own this job. You could own this place. You could own this restaurant. You could own this. Listen, don't limit yourself. God's not limiting you. The only limitations you have are the ones you put on yourself. He wants to give you such favor that the sky is the limit, and you can decide what the next step is according to his will. And if it's to own it, fine, own it. If it's to just be a vice president or just somebody who runs things, that's fine. If that's what he wants, but you'll know because the good steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, how about number five here? Things to believe God for in this year. How about things, notable things that you've never experienced before? Notable things. It could be in your personal life. It could be in your finances it could be a lot of different things but I look at it in, in things like in ministry areas Mark 16 talks about signs that would follow believers how about some notable things following some believers in here some signs and some wonders following you John 14 12 Jesus said greater works shall you do greater works well what's the great works well i don't know have you seen any i mean people, jesus did some pretty great things i mean i mean he turned the water into wine he raised a dead man a couple of times you know and he says you're going to do greater things isn't it time we start believing god for some greater things that we start acting like the ministers of reconciliation that we are he will back you up he will back you up Hebrews 2, talk, 1 through 4, talks about signs and wonders. Let's go over there. I've got, since I've got these four verses written down, it must mean I need to read them. Hebrews 2. Starting in verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip or drift away. Pastor's wonderful series on that. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? I have written in here, don't, how can we not take advantage of if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. God bearing them witness. 
with signs and wonders. Can you imagine what would happen if you, if you were found yourself someplace and God led you to lay hands on somebody who was deaf? You reached over and you prayed for them and suddenly they could hear? What would that do for you? It was like, let me find another deaf person. Quick, where's another one? Where's another one? Where's another one? See, that's what God wants. He wants to get us infected, infected with a desire to see more and more and more and more. You know, he wants to get you addicted to getting people born again. He wants to get you addicted to laying hands on the sick. You just can't help yourself. That's what an addict does. They can't help themselves. He wants to get you, he wants you to be a Holy Ghost addict. You can't stop praying in tongues. Nothing's going to stop you from praying in tongues. You can't stop ministering to people. You can't stop witnessing to people. You can't stop wanting to lay your hands on them as the Spirit leads you. You can't stop. And I'm telling you, you start seeing God work with you. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what I want. This is what I got to have. I want to see more and more. God wants to do some things. There's some recreative miracles he wants to do. It's one thing to lay your hands on somebody and they get healed, but how about God create a new arm on somebody? Is that impossible? No. No, it's not. There's things that we have not seen yet. In fact, is uh, Pastor and I were talking about this in the office. There was a, a verse I was looking for, and, and I, I still don't think I've really found it just yet, but this one will do. 1 Corinthians, hallelujah, 2 9. We'll just use this one for the moment. There's another one, but I just, I, I, could, not rem I could not pull it out of there, you know, pull it, pull it in. In verse 9, verse, chapter 2, it says, But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That doesn't mean when you get to heaven. That's what we always thought. Well, I has not seen, ears not heard, things that God's prepared for those for those in the sweet by and by. No, there are things God has prepared for you here that you haven't seen yet, you haven't heard. It says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Listen, you just need to this year just open up your whole perspective to something new. What? That you can be used by God to do notable things. What is something notable? Something that nobody could thought was even possible. That's what something notable is. Luke 5, 26. Luke 5. Verse 26. Nope, that's not it. It was where the uh, man was healed in the temple. And maybe that was Mark. No, I, you know, I'm, I'm in Mark. How about let's go to Luke. There it is. There it is. Luke 5.26. I was in the wrong book. Um, the man that was in the temple... Jesus looked at him and said, rise and walk. And it says in verse 25, immediately he rose up and took them that lay, 
rose up before them and took up that which he whereon he had laid and departed to his own house glorifying God and they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying we have seen strange things today you may not have seen it and it may seem strange to you but that doesn't mean God doesn't want to do it strange is just something out of the ordinary have we settled for the ordinary long enough it's time to move on beyond the ordinary and let people talk about, we have seen some strange things today. I saw a leg grow out today. Legs have grown out right here on this front row. There's no reason why he can't continue that. We just need to start believing God for it. We need to start believing God in 2018 that there are notable things that we're involved in. Notable things. Last but not least, and I will have to do, do this in about three minutes' time, and it's just really too bad. Uh, restoration. We have all had things that the enemy has stolen from us. It's, this, is, this should be a year that you believe God for restoration of those things. Could be your health, could be your finances, could be your family, could be your marriage, could be relationships with other people. But God wants to restore things that have been ruined. Um, and don't think God can't do it just because you messed up somehow. Uh-uh. He, didn't he use Peter mightily after Peter had denied him three times? Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached a fantastic message. God used him. He restored him. Paul, the murderer of the church. Now, I don't think you get any more messed up than that. I mean, he ever made, you made any bigger mistake than that? I mean, he was responsible for killing many, many Christians. And yet, God, look what he did through the Apostle Paul. So just because you messed up does not mean God cannot put you in a place of restoration. Um, Psalm 103, verse 5, it says, Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Don't think yourself too old, you know, to be used by God. If you ever get to the mindset, we went, well, you know, oh, that's, that's, that's not for me. You need to change your mindset. Because I don't care how old you are. Your youth can be restored, renewed, just like the eagles. Joel 2.24 says that he will restore to you the years of the locusts. Well, the fact is, can you find Joel real quick? He's just before Amos. Will that help you? Joel 2 and verse 25. Are you there yet? He says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Listen, there are four things listed here. The locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. And, and I have written here in, the, in, the, in my margin, it says, these four attack the leaf, the fruit, the branch, and the root. And yet God said he could restore it. No matter at what point your fruit was stolen, no matter at what point your fruit was ruined, God can restore it. Whether it was in the root whether it was in the fruit, whether it was in the branch, or whether it was on the leaf. No matter what point it was, God can restore that. This is a year of restoration of those things. Amen. Job, the story of Job, it says in, in chapter 41 of verse, uh, of 
41 of Job, it says that God gave Job twice as much as he had before so that his latter end was much more than his beginning. doesn't matter what your start was. It only matters what your end is. And it matters that we finish the way we're supposed to finish. If the thief has come in and stolen from you, Proverbs 6 has got the answer for you. It says when the thief is found, he has to restore sevenfold. So it's a year for God to see you come back in full possession of things that the enemy has stolen from you. It's a year of restoration. So what if you made a mistake? God restores those things. He restores them. Maybe you made a bad financial decision years ago. There's no right reason why God can't restore that to you. No reason. I remember building the church, you know, with that first architect that we really would like to have started the first cemetery plot out back with. You know, he, you know we lost $100,000 in the building of this church, and God said, don't worry about it. I can replace that. I can, I can take care of it. And he did. Before this building was finished, he had already given us back way more than that. Way more than that. And just, and just different things that I could tell you about. Just the details of it. They're just amazing. And yet God restore, God can restore anything if you'll just trust him. If you'll believe him, he can restore it. So what are you going to believe? What kind of things are you going to believe for? You can add this, add, make your own list. But these are just some things I came up with. Was to know him more. To have more spiritual growth and revelation to have accurate steps, to increase in favor and influence, to experience notable things that you've never experienced before, and a restoration in your life. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.